This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey there, it's Hugh Ballou, back for another episode of Orchestrating Success. And I have a wonderful guest today. Um, our topic is leadership. How do we lead to the pathway to success? We got it in our brain, but there's some pieces we need to put in place to make it really happen. So my guest today is Yiching Chao. Yiching Zhao. I can I'm gonna get it right. It's my southern, it's my southern accent. So Yiching, <laughs> um, tell listeners a little bit about yourself and what is your passion for this work? So my name is Yiqing, which literally means artistic youth in Chinese, and that explains who I am and what I do. I am an award-winning actor, filmmaker, and a creative life and career coach for artists and entrepreneurs. Um, and why I love what I do, because it changes lives, it changes minds, it you know, I went through this journey myself, which we're probably going to talk about that later. Um, and then I just wish that I can help more people. And that's why I'm here. And you work, you're a coach for what you call creatives. Talk a little bit about that. It's the term creatives is, see, you can be, you don't have to be an artist to be creative. Um, consultants are also creatives. Um you know, if you're a podcast, you're a podcaster, that's also whatever that needs you to brainstorm ideas, to have original ideas and put the ideas out. That is what I consider um, creatives. And I think people become creatives, not necessarily by choice, but it's really because we feel, we feel pulled to that. Um, and I do believe Yes, we can all be creatives, but maybe some people have a stronger pull than others. I consider myself one of those because that's literally why I changed careers from medicine to this, is that pull was so strong, I cannot resist it. It's in your DNA to be creative. And so there's, I'm a musician, I'm a musicians, especially composers, especially jazz performers are very creative. Um, painters, sculptors, you know, inventors is a good example of, you know, we've got all this creative energy. So there needs to be a balance with this um, tactical thinking. So, so um, let's go back. You, um, you had a, you just mentioned you were in a career track to, as a medical student. Tell us about that shift to, to becoming an artist. I think so. Well, I'm gonna give you a little background on that. Um, I was a medical student back in China. Um, it was an undergrad medical program, but it was much more advanced than pre-med here. So very intense, 250 credits in five years. I lost a whole bunch of hair, I know. Um, and I was miserable, that's the thing. I was miserable. I had chronic stress throughout the program. And it just got worse um, during the last year because 
um, I was in, I was doing a study. It was like my thesis study. Um, I was doing a depression study on rats. I was supposed to make them depressed and then treat them with a combination of acupuncture, ch traditional Chinese medicine and Western medicine. But I had to make them depressed in the first place and I failed at that. I didn't make them depressed, I made myself depressed. So that was my wake up call because I was just thinking, you know, like what is the point if I were to treat people's physical bodies and I myself was suffering here and here, right? So I was suffering and I just realized this is not, I can't do it, I can't. So um, I was very lucky I got a scholarship to go to Johns Hopkins for my, for my master's in public health. Um, I got my master's, but I started acting when I was in grad school. So I made my regional theater debut in Baltimore. Um, and I, a few months later, I made my New York debut. So, and then I moved to New York. So that's how I, I you know, switch careers. It's really because of that depression study and because I, I was pretty much at the rock bottom of my life. Um, that's, that was like the catalyst of change. Wow. You recognized it and you did something about it. So many people get stuck in the paradigm. Oh, this is what I said I'm going to do. So you're, a, you're, an, you're an actor, you're a filmmaker, um, you're a coach to those in that broad category of creatives. So um, what are some of the biggest challenges uh, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs face as creatives? One of the biggest is I would say two biggest. One is overwhelm or burnout. Um, not just because of entrepreneurship, but also because that's what our brain, that's what our brains are. Creatives tend to get ideas, have more ideas, and tend to be more sensitive. So like we sense a lot of the things. So we have all these input and we don't have enough time or space to create them, to produce them. So we always have more ideas than we can execute. And then that can lead to burnout um, or paralysis sometimes. That's number one. Second is imposter syndrome. And this is more common in women than in men. Um, but imposter syndrome is a thing, especially among artists, because you know we do, what we do is we're always doing new things. We're always creating new things exploring new territories. So those two are the most, are the biggest challenges I've found in creatives. My, 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 my. <laughs> so what's the solution? What are your solutions to this? So let's talk about the first one, overwhelm or burnout. I think, you know, I always say you got to do one thing at a time. And my clients would just tell me, I cannot. I said, yes, you can. And I say the reason, yes, you can, is because I'm going to tell you it's going to be uncomfortable and you're just going to sit with the discomfort and focus on one thing at a time. When you say I can't is because you're feeling that discomfort and you're trying to act on it. Every time you have a new idea, you want to jump onto that idea. But we're not going to do that. We're going to focus on whatever you started, finish that, and then do something else. Yes, it is going to be uncomfortable. We're just going to deal with it. So that is um, this, the solution, the general solution. Of course, there are so many other things going into it. 
for this, the first one that's overwhelmed. And for imposter syndrome, I always invite my clients um, to be creative about imposter syndrome. See, here's the thing. We creatives, we are not just like good at generating ideas. We're also good at generating solutions. Then you can get creative about the quote unquote problems you're facing. Meaning when you have imposter syndrome, my question is always, what can you do with it? Like you don't need to try to suppress it because you know that's emotions, feelings, we don't suppress them, but we use them as personal GPS as guides. So what can you do with it? How can you use it? A lot of times I find imposter syndrome just gives me, makes me more vulnerable. And the vulnerability is exactly what connects people because it makes you more authentic and more real. So you better use it. And imposter syndrome makes me actually look deeper because I know I am always learning things and I always have things to learn. So I won't sit there and do nothing and think I'm good. I use that for an extra kick for me to dig deeper into the things I'm learning. And imposter syndrome makes me create more. I'm just like, okay, I'm an imposter. So what, what do I do? I create and hope I'm getting better. So I put that into my writing and, you know, and I say this, especially as a storyteller, when I write characters, when I write dialogue, whenever I have that, I pour that into my characters. And now they also have that imposter syndrome, which makes them human, which makes my characters come alive. So my question is always, how can you use that? Don't try to make it go away. How can you use it? How can you make friends with it? That's um, as a, as a public speaker, I'm not an actor, but as a conductor, you know, being on stage, being under pressure, it was important to pivot, taking that fear and moving in the adrenaline rush, and instead of having it paralyze me, moved it, just reverse it. It's an yeah. it's an empowerment. So that's it's not the same as what you're talking about, but it is taking a situation and changing the paradigm of how it can empower you. Um, so we have, um, so that nonprofit leaders also, I work with nonprofit leaders, um, very much get into the burnout because lots of ideas and without the skill or the plan of the system or the team to drive it forward to revenue and then impacting people's lives. We as entrepreneurs, whether we're social benefit or a for-profit company, um, we generate revenue because we provide value. And if we're all tied up in our own stuff, then we're not going to provide value. It's, it's about the people we serve. Right. Um, so what are some of the myths that we tell ourselves? We got these little myths that hold us back. What are some of those that are a problem? For, you mean for creatives specifically? Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I noticed is that, and I could be wrong, it's just some, it's an observation, but I could be wrong, is that creatives sometimes tend to be a little self-absorbed. Hmm. Um, I know, which is great in a way, because you need that space to, to, to daydream and everything. But then you just got to know when we actually are serving people, if you want to have the business side, meaning if you are actually generating revenue, you know, um, creating value, 
then you got to think about serving others. So it's really just a mindset shift from being self-absorbed in our own little dreamy zone into serving others and think about what the audience can get out of it. That's the value we bring. You know, I, we can have a really good concert. I'm going to put it in my framework, really good concert. But if it doesn't touch people, exactly, haven't programmed it and we haven't created that, that extra spark. I mean, you can hear one orchestra play a piece of music and it's okay. You can hear another one that's brilliant and touches people because music is a spiritual medium. And it, yeah. so knowing the difference and being able, like you said, before I learned to be vulnerable, which was in my fifties, I, I was limited in music making before on the podium, before I could be vulnerable. And I'm sure be, being an actor, being a writer, um, that's a, that's a huge value that many leaders just pass over. No, I can't do that. Especially men, you know, we have this, this fragile male ego, you know, you just got to cut loose and just be open with it. Um, so we, we do tell ourselves a lot of things that aren't correct, don't we? The, that's what I call stories. And see, that's actually another challenge of creatives because yes, we do have a lot of ideas and, you know, and we buy into those ideas. Like there is a voice in our heads and we do, oh, that sounds so true. This sounds so vivid, so so real. And we don't even know that's just a story. It's not, you know, it's, it's a story. It's an opinion. It's sometimes it's passed down to you from your grandma or something. And then that just seems like the universal truth. Um, until that belief does not serve you in your venture and your circumstances starts challenge you to think about it think about it what why why does that why is it not helping why is it not helping me you know one of our presidents during the depression uh, roosevelt uh, fdr said he made an acronym about fear false i don't know if it was him but he said, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. Mm -hmm. Also the acronym, I don't think it was him, false evidence appearing real. And I know I get all in a tizzy, something that I made up in my mind and it's not even fact and it never becomes reality. And then I've lost a bunch of time and eaten up a lot of energy. So, so having a, a person like you, how do you help people with these things? I do have a framework in my coaching. Um, there's a key essential piece. It's about telling apart which are facts, which are stories. So tell facts apart from stories. That's the essential piece. Um, and then I have I work on two mindset shifts. One is from self-absorption to serving others. Always think about what the others, what your audience want from that what they can get away uh, out of it um that's the uh, that's the mindset shift number one and then the mindset shift number two is to start from no not start from change from winning the game into playing the game and that's especially true if you want to you know if you want to play the long game if you then you gotta get detached from results from results into building the system and building habits and so that you can be in this game for the long haul. That's the two mindset shifts. And then I have three steps. Those are the more specific ways to actually implement those things so that that's like what my container is like 
Love it. Love it. I asked my guests to uh, speak into Hubaloo's four leadership principles. So as a conductor, you know, I'm leading. So rule number one is know the score. I've got this piece of paper. I got to know where I'm going. So in, in non-music terms, it's the foundation. Mm-hmm. Knowing where we're going, clear vision, and then having the ability to lead it. So talk about that in your context, the foundation. What do we need to fortify us, ourselves with as a foundation? Um, the one essential piece, I would say that's the foundation, is really telling you know, to distinguish between what's a thought and what's a fact. Good, good. And and, uh-huh. Yeah. Is there more? No, no. I was just saying, coming back to my uh, my the point that I touched base before about creatives is that, like I said, our greatest strengths can also become our worst nightmares. Is that we buy so we like we are just so sold on our thoughts, on our own thoughts, and we can't see the truth. Like that's just thought. So having it clearly defined and being able to articulate our vision is a part of clarifying that. I think. So the second one is um, hire the best. So I don't want to have a poor musicians. I don't want to have poor actors on my stage. So it's about relationships. Talk about the relationship part of leadership. Why, why is that important? The relationship. Um, are you talking about the relationship between you and your audience? You and who you lead. Who you, who who responds to you? Your audience, the people you lead, your business team. I I actually I want to talk about it in in two ways one is and i always put this first is your relationship with yourself because you cannot have a bad relationship with yourself and have good relationship with others that simply does not work that's right i wish it were true it's just just, you know it i wish it could work it just can't and also when you don't have a good relationship with yourself that's what we show as that kind of energy the vibe you give to others. Why do we feel some people are so negative and they just, it's like really having bad vibes is like having bad body odors, you know? So that's, that really just, um, it's, it's not a good thing. Anyway, my point is always start with having great relationships with yourself, meaning always having your own back and love yourself unconditionally, which is for some people, especially if you come from a very strict upbringing, like myself, it took me a few years to, probably even longer than that, to really get to the bottom of how to love myself unconditionally. Whoa, that is so key. That is so key. The third principle um, is rehearse. Actors, musicians, if we're going to have a good performance, we rehearse and we rehearse for excellence. This is all about systems. So creatives, you know, you got these ideas and you write them down. Then you are really persuasive. You got great people around you. Then how do we make it happen? So talk about making it happen. To me, that's systems. Systems. Okay. That goes into the, into my three steps is first, you got to make smart plans. And what do I mean by smart plans is you got to look at what tasks are the most important to you and do them first. For example, I'm writing a feature script. I have a deadline. I do that every single morning after walking my dog, coming back, sitting at my desk and write it. I do it before anything else because if I don't do that, my day is just going to roll over me and oh, it's ne- it never gets done. So that's about the most important, also probably most difficult tasks. And for artists, that's their craft. 
you're going to do that for writers it's the thing that they're writing i don't know for you know every everybody has something like that the most important thing and that can change from time to time but it's about prioritizing that and also make plans make smart plans to you know about systems is about balancing self-care and the thing you're doing because you don't want to do things at the cost of sacrificing your well-being which leads me to the fourth one which is balance it's in music there's rests and there's it's not absence of sound it's punctuation dramatic music arrest and then it leads you to the next next mood shift um it's like a pause on stage so balance is that is this pillar and you talked about burnout and this is one of the this one makes everything else in my world makes everything else work so talk about it's it's about self-care uh it's about what you just talked about as well um balance is not working 24 7 balance is caring for self so how does balance show up does not mean equal it means how do we how do we segment our day and show up as prepared and effective and energized to do our work i think well this really this works differently for everybody um i personally you know as an actor and filmmaker we are just used to working to working long days it, when you're on set it's a 12 14 hour day it's very common you know just because i'm used to it and just because i have a high threshold of of pain or tolerance or working long hours doesn't mean i need to do that or doesn't mean I always need to do it. And I think it's just about knowing your boundaries, knowing what this is. Some are my non-negotiables, some are my negotiables. For example, the working hours, if I have to be on set for 14 hours, I'm gonna do that. But I know that's like an exception I make for those things. I don't do it every single day. It's not sustainable. So it's really about the balance about knowing your limits and knowing what you want and knowing what you want at a certain period of time. And sometimes even, for example, if you're having a low energy day, if you are, you know, you need to rest, you need to, you're not feeling 100%, then you got to adjust your activity level or your productivity level to that, per, to that percentage. I was telling um, a client yesterday, I said, if you're 50% feeling 50% today, then adjust your productivity level to 50% so that you don't feel you are in a lack. You don't feel you are falling behind because you can't be on 50% and do 100%. That's just not how it works. If you're on 50%, do the 50% level of work. If you're 80% to the 80% level, that's what I call, it's about matching your energy level to your productivity level. It's about being human. It's about loving yourself and knowing that this is what I can do. And I've given it all, given it my best of the day. And there's no regret in that. Love it. Love it. Love it. So I'm going to end up with the title for this. It'll put everything in context. Your title for this interview was how to marry creativity and business acumen and turn them into superpowers. Speak to that title just a minute. Uh, I personally think it's a little bit too long, but um, I, I but I really love the idea of marry the word marry. It's a marriage, and you know when you think about a marriage, it's one plus one larger than two. That's at least that's how I look at marriages, and um, so it's really about bringing each 
individual bring their strengths together and you know and also have them implement a uh, complement each other so there's the creativity part the brainstorming feeling daydreaming experiencing and then there's the business part meaning execution managing um planning evaluation those things so you got to combine them in a way that each of them feels good it's not like your creativity is suffering or your business is suffering. Each of them feel good, but also leaving room for something bigger to emerge. I Ching Zhao, thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. Yeah, um, my pleasure. Your website is coaching.yichingzhao. If you're listening to this podcast, it's on the narrative. And if you're watching the video, I'll put that in there on, on Facebook. So this is really good stuff, uh, really strong content, and it would value any entrepreneur. So thank you so much for being my guest on Orchestrating Success. Thank you, Hugh. Thanks so much for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.